Now, a few months back, um, I had this really like proud pastor moment. Uh, we were asking a few people from our congregation, uh, and we were talking about what is reopening going to look like? Like, what should we focus on while we're sheltered in place? And you know, at the time, we were thinking people are longing for connection. People are longing for community. And so we were thinking in our minds, we should just throw a bunch of, like, community events where it's all about just, like, eating together, being around each other, fellowshipping together, having fun, keeping it really lighthearted. But we were so surprised when a lot of people pushed back and said, you know what? I, I feel like I have community. Like, I feel like I have my close friends. I know who my crew are. Like, that's not the issue. The thing that I'm really longing for is a people that I can pray with, is a people that I can worship alongside, is a people that I can grow deeper in my walk with Christ with. And I was so proud as a pastor because I was like thinking, oh, we just want to go on picnics and stuff. But no, our, our community is hungry to go deeper into fellowship with Jesus. Another person pushed back like, if we're going to meet, we might as well like do some spiritual things together because that's the component that we're missing. I had this proud pastor moment. I was like, yeah, that's our church. That's our community. They don't want no picnics, chips, and salsa. They want to get together and pray and worship. That's what it's all about. And I would bet that many of you might feel the same way. You know, most of us already have those deep friendships cultivated in our lives outside of this church. Most of us already have companionship in our everyday lives. I mean, we've had to figure it out over these last nine months. I would bet that most of us already have a deeply rooted sense of belonging. So then the question is, why pursue community if we feel like we already have it? Why exert more energy, more effort, more time into pursuing community if I already feel a sense of belonging? And why invest in a church community? We're going to answer these questions today and What I want to suggest to you is this, that community is so much more than just about belonging. It's equally, equally as important as belonging is who we are becoming. And I think in our day and age, we've overemphasized the the need for belonging and community. I mean, don't get me wrong. Belonging is important. Humans need a sense of belonging to thrive in life. But it's only half the equation. Yes, we need community for belonging. But we also need to pursue community for becoming. And that's the missing ingredient that we can't get outside of community with fellow believers. Is we can't get that aspect of what we are becoming together as a family, as a people. And so, yes, we may have belonging in many different relationships and spheres in our lives, but it's in this place with other fellow believers where we can rally together around what we are becoming as a community. And so what makes a church community different from any other community we belong to is that we share this common goal of what we are becoming together This is why the author of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. 
I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there are moments where Krista and I separately, individually, each get conviction that I got to start eating a lot better. I got to start eating healthy. I got to be like Vanessa and, you know, love broccoli and only eat greens. I got I to gotta change my lifestyle. And it's funny because when one of us has that conviction and we start to try to make changes, we notice in our household, usually it's Krista that, that gets the conviction and me not really having that conviction. But we notice unless both of us are on board, it's hard for us to really change our lives. Because Krista's trying to make a, a clean salad for dinner and I'm like, let's order some, send your CC and get some burritos. Let's eat something unhealthy. I'm, I'm eating bags of hot Cheetos opening in front of her. We notice this when we're fasting too. And so when Krista's fasting TV shows and I'm fasting boba, it's like one morning Krista will be like, I feel like eating boba. And then I'm in the shower and I'm watching a TV show and Krista could hear it. And so it's, it's kind of hard to get on the same page when we're not after the same thing. What I want to suggest is it's hard for us to succeed in our lives, when we're after different things. See, what we're after in the Christian community, in the church, in the family of believers, is to be more and more formed into the likeness of Jesus, as the author of Hebrews says, that we are throwing off everything that hinders us from getting to Jesus, everything that entangles us from reaching the end goal of looking more and more like him. It's like we're running in that race together and we're, we're spurring each other on towards the finish line. Theologian Dallas Willard once said, spiritual formation cannot be a private thing because it is a matter of whole life transformation. You need to seek out others in your community who are pursuing the renovation of the heart. In other words, without belonging and becoming in community with fellow believers, it is impossible to be formed into the likeness of Jesus. It's impossible to grow in spiritual maturity. It's impossible to see the whole renovation of your heart. What makes Christian community so distinct is that we're after that same thing. That one thing, the heart of Jesus, to look more and more like him and to give all of our hearts to him. This is why the early church is recorded in Acts chapter 2 verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The word devoted here means to hold fast to something, to continue to persevere. And what's notable about the early church is this was a time of persecution. And so their devotion came at a cost. I mean, we think it's hard to show up to church and community group. Their lives were on the line. But it says they devoted themselves. They held fast to community. They continued and persevered pursuing community even when things got hard. And they devoted themselves not only to God, but to one another. And they committed and persevered even when it became inconvenient, even when it got tough. I think COVID has been an interesting time, especially within church and within community, because I think the barriers to community in some ways have become a lot higher. I mean, do you find that to be true? It's interesting because when we used to do community groups, we used to meet every week and in person. 
But even last year, when we switched to a model of doing every other week virtual, it still was hard. There were so many barriers to overcome. I mean, for one thing, we're all Zoom fatigued. Maybe you're Zooming all day for work. You're on that screen. And then to Zoom again for a church event just seems so much. And it's like, you got to speak one by one. You can't have normal conversations. People are cutting each other off by accident, forgetting to mute. People are popping in and off screen, doing other things. It just doesn't feel the same. And in other ways, you know, we've become a lot busier because the boundaries between work life and home life have become so blurred. I don't know if you've experienced that. And so in a lot of ways, the barriers to community during COVID have become a lot higher in different ways. But I just feel God challenging us in this season to devote ourselves once again to this community. To say with all my heart, as the early apostles did, as the early church did, I want to devote myself to pursuing community. To pursue one another with all of our hearts, with the people who are all about belonging and becoming the same thing. And so today I just want to talk about a few areas that God has been personally highlighting to me in this season as I think about what it means to pursue community and why. And so we're just going to go through a few things together. There are four things, and we're going to start right here. Number one, in community, we pursue healing through vulnerability. In James 5.16, the author writes, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, I think we look at this passage and we love to focus on the prayer part. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Ooh, that's a good word. That's tweetable. That's something I can get behind. Pray for one another and you will be healed. But I think we often overlook the most important part. It says, confess your sins to one another. And then it says, pray for one another and you will be healed. There's something about confessing the weak areas of our life, the dark areas of our lives, the the parts that aren't as pretty, the parts that aren't as presentable. That's so challenging. That requires so much courage. And, you know, confess your sins to one another goes so much further than just confessing when I've looked at porn or when I've gossiped to my coworker or when I've lost my temper with the family member. Sometimes it looks like sharing the deep and dark thoughts that plague your mind. Sometimes confessing your sins to one another looks like sharing your inner struggles of doubt with your faith. Sometimes it looks like sharing your feelings of inadequacy and insecurities, your feelings of discouragement and hopelessness. Sometimes it looks like sharing your anger and your frustration and your rage. Sometimes it looks like sharing your loneliness. In other words, confess your sins to one another means being vulnerable. The great C.S. Lewis once wrote this in his book called The Four Loves. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Woo, I got so many amens in our community. Come on, y'all know it's true. 
Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will not be, it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. What the great C.S. Lewis is saying is vulnerability is about being naked. It's about being completely exposed. It's about being seen and known. And not just the parts that we want people to know, but even the parts that we so desperately want to conceal and remain hidden. It's allowing people to see the parts of our lives that we've been hardwired to hide. If you've ever been to Korea, there's this thing called Jimjibang. And it's pretty much a Korean bathhouse. And in these bathhouses, you don't go up in there with your swim trunks on. You go in there buck naked. And I remember the first time I went to Korea, it was a bit of a culture shock for me. Because here in America, even when you're showering in public places or, you know, you're with your friends, you're still, like, concealing yourself. But then I walk into this jimjibang. And all these grown Korean men are walking by me, just completely naked, confident, walking around, strutting like they don't have a care in the world. And I remember the first time I took off all my clothes and stepped into that bathhouse, I was so insecure about all my insecurities. Like, oh, I got that mole there that I don't want no one to see. Oh, I'm a little chubs right here on my love handles. Like, and I just felt like concealing everything. And we are naturally hardwired. That's why in the fall, the first thing that Adam and Eve did after they were confronted by God for their sin was to try to find fig leaves and sow for themselves a way to cover their nakedness. We're hardwired to cover the parts of our lives that we don't want people to see. But what being vulnerable requires is to bring into light all those dark areas that we don't want to see, the areas where we struggle with sin, the the weak areas, the places where we're not sure about our faith, the place where we feel like we can't do it do it alone. Sorry, I'm a little parched. <laughs> What's hidden in the shadows will continue to have a hold over our lives. And when we are vulnerable, what we're doing is we're bringing out of the darkness into the light that which was once hidden. And whatever the light touches, the light heals. You know, if you've ever been part of a community group with Krista or I, you know, you probably have heard us throw around out there all of our fights. And we've made it a conscious effort to make our relationship other people's business too. You know, people in our day and age kind of push back against that and say, you know, you guys keep that to yourselves. You guys handle your, no, I believe that in our vulnerability, when we're sharing with our community group, we had a fight today. We literally had a fight before we came into this room. We had a fight last week, or we're struggling with this. When we share those things, we do it not because we're trying to be TMI. We do it because we know that in vulnerability, there is healing That as we confess our struggles, as we confess our sins to one another, we know that we are healed. We are bringing out of the darkness, out of the shadows, into the light so that we can receive God's healing. And I believe that our marriage is strong because we have decided to be so vulnerable and honest about what we experience. See, vulnerability is scary and it's risky. But it's the only true way 
to experience healing. And if we want to build authentic community, life-giving community, there must be vulnerability. And so the first thing is that we as a community want to pursue healing through vulnerability. Number two, in community, we pursue passion through accountability. Romans 12, 10 through 11, Paul writes, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor seeking the Lord. I read that, I get pissed off. What do you mean keep up your spiritual fervor and your zeal? I don't know if you've tried that. But it's really hard to do that in our world, to have that fire that's always ablaze. But I feel like what what Paul is speaking to us here is he's speaking in the context of community. He's not saying you, individual believer, go and carry your spiritual fervor and your zeal. Make sure that you're always fired up, always passionate for Jesus. You do it on your own. You go handle it and make sure that it's done. No, he's saying be devoted to one another in love and never be lacking in zeal. What he's saying is you were never meant to burn alone. And in the Western church, we place such a strong emphasis on individuality, my personal faith, my personal responsibility to keep this fire for God alive and burning. But while there is an absolute element of truth there, you were never meant to burn alone. You know, I believe that God designed us in such a way that we need to lean on one another when our passion for God begins to fade. You may walk into community depleted of passion and zeal for God, but once you get around other burning ones, you can't help but start burning again. You know, I always speak about the first marathon that I ever ran was a half marathon running through Disneyland. And I think it was so divine that the first marathon that I've ever done is running through Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. And I I tell the story is as I was running and getting tired, one of the things that kept me going was looking on the sidelines and seeing Disneyland employees with their Mickey Mouse hands and signs and smiles saying, you can do it. You can make it. You're almost there. I saw Goofy in his costume saying, you can do it. Like all of these people just cheering you on. And you know, I was just at mile two out of 13 and I was already tired. But then I saw Mickey Mouse saying, you can do it. And all these people spurring you on, cheering you on. And I never would have finished that race had it not been me borrowing from the passion of other people saying, I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough fire to sustain me on this run. I need others. I don't know about you, but I need cheerleaders pushing me on. I need help reigniting my faith when I feel like I'm fizzled out. And I'm a pastor. This is my life. And I need people to help keep me burning. I don't know if you've ever talked to anyone where as soon as you talk to them, you walk away and you just feel fired up. You're like, oh man, I just want to be close to Jesus. I'm so inspired to go after him with a new fervor, with a new zeal. You know, when I think about people like that in our community, I think about Jay. You know, every few months we talk on the phone and after we talk, I'm just so encouraged and full of faith. 
and saying, man, we can do this. We can run after God. I feel the same way when I talk to Dan. Like we're just, there's some people with that gift to say, I'm gonna give you some of my fire so that you can continue on. And so we're called to be a community that pursues passion through accountability. We give each other our fire. And when we're depleted, we receive from others. Number three, in community, we pursue strength through prayer. Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. How do you find joy and hope in such a broken world? I mean, how do, you do, how do you be patient in the midst of great affliction? How do you find a reason to trust in God when we've seen everything that's transpired in our nation this past year, this past week? How? I believe the key is prayer. There's something that happens when we pray for one another that goes beyond God just fulfilling our wish. We are strengthened as we pray for one another. And I don't know about you, but I need all the strength that I can get these days. You know, a lot of people are surprised when they find out that Krista and I participate in community groups. They say, I've never seen senior pastors be part of small groups like this. You know, we participate not because, you know, we're trying to sell it or we're trying to show people that we walk the walk or talk the talk. No, we, we participate honestly because we're not strong enough to do it on our own. And we need the strength of our community to help us carry on. And so we are active. We're, we, we buy the product. We're into it because we need it. We need the strength from our fellow believers. And it's through prayer that we're strengthened, that we can continue on together. I think last year was incredibly difficult for so many reasons. And one of the things that I believe got us through, at least for Krista and I, was community. And it was so strange. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there would be weeks that we had CG. And there would be this internal struggle, like part of me felt tired and didn't want to show up. But part of me knew how good it would be if I did. And, you know, we were leaders, so we had to show up, right? And I don't know, you ever feel too tired to show up to the very thing that you know will bring you new strength. I felt that so many times last year, so I imagine many of you felt that too. But without fail, the one constant after every community group that I felt was that I felt strengthened. That as we prayed for one another, we were strengthened in the presence of God. And I left feeling so much gratitude every time I showed up. And so we need each other's strength, just like we need each other's fire. And the way that we do that is we pray for one another. And so in community, we pursue healing through vulnerability. We pursue strength through prayer. We pursue, um, what was the second one? Sorry. (laughs) We pursue passion through accountability. And the last thing is this. We pursue maturity through service. Romans 12, 6 through 8, Paul writes, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You know, if we are really honest with ourselves, most of the time when we talk about community, we're talking about what can I get from it? Why is it of benefit to me? Why should I give up my life and give up my time, my resources, my energy to pursue this thing? What value is it of to me? But what if we pursued community, not for what we can get, but for what we can give? Some of you need to hear this word right now because what if we devoted ourselves to people not just for what they can give me, how it could benefit me, what value it could give me, but what I can give to them, how I could benefit them, how I could be of value to them. Listen, there are some things that you can only receive in the giving. And this is why Jesus says it's better to give than to receive because he knows there's something in the giving that we get that we cannot get any other way. And so community becomes a place where we're activated in the sharing of our gifts. And as we serve one another, as we share our gifts with one another, we enter more and more into maturity. That is, we begin to look more and more like Christ. There is a depth that comes when we pursue community, not for what we can get, but for what we can give. I love in RCG this past season, So many people affirmed Iris and said, Iris, every time you pray, like something changes. There's something about the way that you pray, the words that you use, the heart with which you pray, that there's just so much breakthrough and so much power that's released. One of my favorite things seeing this season was we activated the hell out of Iris's gift of prayer. We always asked her to pray for us. We asked her to close out the CG. And I think this is such a beautiful illustration of community that we're bringing out the gifts in one another. And in that, we're entering more and more into maturity. Listen, hear me, church. Some of you have never discovered what your gifts are because you've never planted yourself somewhere long enough to actually use them. Listen, some of you, you've never gone deep enough with people to actually see the treasure in you and bring it out And the beautiful thing about pursuing community is that you begin to discover what beautiful gifts you have to offer to the world. And it's the fruit of seeking to serve others. You know, I lead worship here all the time here at 99. And people are like, wow, like you were born to do that. You have such a gift in leading worship and singing and playing. But you know what? You know how I started being activated in that gift? It's not because I grew up thinking I'm going to be a worship leader or this is my passion or this is my gift. It came because I was embedded deep into a community and we had no one that could play guitar or sing. And out of my need, the need of my community, out of my heart to serve those that I loved, I began playing and singing. And to think that I would have never tapped into this gift of leading worship had I not chosen to pursue community, 
pursue the service of others and enter into maturity. In our service to one another, we grow in maturity and not just in the gifts that we use, but in our love for one another. Henry Nguyen once said, community is first of all a quality of the heart. It grows from the spiritual knowledge that we are alive, not for ourselves, but for one another. Community is the fruit of our capacity to make the interests of others more important than our own. The question, therefore, is not how can we make community, but how can we develop and nurture giving hearts? And so we pursue community, and we pursue community for healing through accountability for maturity through service, for strength through prayer, and for that second one that I always seem to forget, which is passion through accountability. Listen, our challenge to you in this season is to pursue community with all your hearts and not just a place of belonging, but a place of mutual becoming. Pursuing community with fellow believers to say, we're after this one thing. I want the heart of God. I want to look more and more like Jesus. And listen, if you call 99 your home, your local church, I want to challenge you to be intentional in pursuing community with those here. I know that you may already feel a sense of belonging in so many other places, But if you call 99 your home, this is the people, this is the community that God has called you to rally together with in becoming more like him here in San Francisco. And so one way we can do that, and this is our plug, this is a very tangible action plan, is we're getting ready to launch community groups again soon, I think towards the end of the month. We're still finalizing the format, a lot of different things. For the time being, it'll probably be virtual, but we know that the vaccine's rolling out, so we're going to see how it plays out during the year. But as we pursue community through community groups, we're going to focus on pursuing healing through vulnerability on pursuing passion through accountability, strength through prayer, and maturity through service. And so you could find that sign-up link. It's live today for the next few weeks, but it's live today, and you could find it in our notes section. We're asking everyone to sign up again, even if you've already been part of a CG, and we're going to roll out more information for that in the days to come. So that's one way that you could pursue community with all your heart this season. But another way is, It also looks like setting up a FaceTime with that person that's been on your mind and your heart. It looks like shooting that group uh, a text and letting them know what you're struggling with this week or letting them know what you feel like God is speaking to you. You know, one thing that I loved in our community group is Vanessa would always initiate sharing her morning devotion with our group and she would share. I know Jay does that too with many different text threads, but sharing your life with other believers, what you're going through, what God is speaking to you. Maybe it looks like asking someone how you can pray for them this week. 99, let's do this. Let's pursue community with all of our hearts. And for those who call 99 your home, let's pursue one another 
Let's really go after that in this season, especially during COVID, where the barriers for community are so high. Let's remember the fire of the early church that said, we are devoted to one another, regardless of how inconvenient it gets. I just want to close with this quote from Henry Nguyen. He says, people who have known the joy of God point each other to flashes of light here and there and remind each other that they reveal the hidden but real presence of God. They discover that there are people who heal each other's wounds, forgive each other's offenses, share their possessions, foster the spirit of community, celebrate the gifts they have received, and live in constant anticipation of the full manifestation of God's glory. And doesn't that sound like something that's worth giving all of your heart to? And so church, what would it look like if we could pursue community in this way with all of our hearts? I believe that we would find new healing in areas where we've been wounded our entire lives. I believe that we would have a sustained fire and and a passion for God, a zeal for God that's upheld through every storm, through every wind. I believe that we would have strength like never before, strength to carry on through the day, to find faith and hope in our lives. And I believe that we will enter into a new maturity, tapping into the God-given gifts he's given each one of us. So church, let's go after it with all of our hearts. Let's go after community this season. I believe that we're gonna do it. I believe we're gonna see such beauty come from our devotion to one another. Let's pray. God, I just pray that there would just be this renewed hunger and desire for fellowship, for community with fellow believers who are after the same thing. It's not to say that we neglect all our other relationships. It's not to say that we prioritize this community above others. No, those, those communities are important too. But God, there's something about this community, about being in relationship with other Christians and other believers where we enter into the becoming. And so in this season, teach us what it means to become as a community, as we belong together as a community. I pray that you would stir that in our hearts. May it be through community groups. May it be in organic ways through just relationships within our people. May it be in random texts that we shoot out. May it be in random reach outs or may it be in other group threads where we're reading books together or talking about justice or talking about our faith and our struggles. But Lord, would you cultivate and foster a people who would pursue one another with all of our hearts that we would be devoted to one another. So God, would you do that in this season? We love you. We give you the highest praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.